Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, I guess there we go. <laughs> I'm always waiting for like the chugga 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 chugga. Like there's this intro that happens. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week. I am your hostess with the mostest, Katie Shook. In studio, David is still MIA, but he will be back next week. But today I brought a special guest with me. His name is? R.J. Mills. And R.J., where are you from? Uh, I'm well, Currently? <laughs> Currently. <laughs> Kinda, maybe. <laughs> uh, here in Roseburg, but I'm uh, with North 40 Beer Company. Nice. Downtown. All right. So R.J. has graciously agreed to come on the air so I don't have to monologue for 45 minutes because <laughs> I will tell you monologuing is one of the hardest things on earth to do. You think you have enough to say until no one is talking back. Right. And if you don't believe me, try doing it. Try holding a conversation with yourself for 45 minutes. After about five, you're like, and I quit. So anyway, uh, today we're going to have a little bit of an entrepreneur show. I love bringing local entrepreneurs on the radio because I love to hear their stories, right? Like there's so many times when I see a new business in town and I go, I wonder like why, mm -hmm. right? Why beer? Well, and it's kind of a common. <laughs> it's kind of a combination, right? Sure. A little bit. I mean, you do beer, but you also serve food, which right. I realize those two kind of go hand in hand. It makes life a little bit easier with the OLCC. If absolutely, there's food. and people enjoy it. Right, and and I've been to your establishment a few times, and I absolutely love it. I love the way the design of it, the laid back. It has a little bit of that industrial chic to it, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Um, it looks like you actually brew there. Yes. Oh, yes. So it's an active brewery. Yes. Um, pretty jealous of some of those big stills in the back and i know those were not cheap no so, no yeah it's a it's an investment for sure but um again rj's decided to join me today i'm pretty excited to talk about entrepreneurs and why we do the things we do which we are a rare breed sometimes <laughs> um but first let me give you a little bit of a market recap um so how did the markets do because guess what this is a financial show after all and i know we talk about investments and that's what we focus on at Little Jump Financial. But we actually do focus on how money flows through your whole entire life, right? It's not just mm -hmm. about your investments because money touches everything we do, whether or not we think it does. Um, but let's talk about how the markets perform. So the change since the last show, so the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest stocks, that's the one that we follow the most at Little John Financial. And that is actually up 1.25% from last week. So not too shabby, right? It's up a whole percent. I'm pretty excited to see that. The Dow Jones up about a half a percent, and the NASDAQ is the one that's taken off. It's up 2.2. Hmm. But the numbers that are fun, so far, year to date for 2020, the S&P 500 is up almost 11%. Wow. Year to date. So, I mean, keep in mind, we're rounding out that fourth month, right? We finished first quarter, rounding out the fourth month. Almost 11% in the first four months. A lot of confidence. <laughs> yeah, confidence is a good word, right? Let's see if that confidence will hang in there through the rest of the year. Right. But that's crazy. Like, if you figure if it stays on track like that, right, we're looking at a 30% return this year. Jeez, yeah. Not a bad time to be an investor, no. right? So for, so for those of you that are chicken littles wondering when the sky is going to fall, you need to ask yourself, is the sky actually going to fall? I mean, we all have difference of opinions on political and by the way this goes on forever right like whether it's your guy or not your guy someone always isn't happy about which guy's right. in office like let's just be honest about that but that doesn't mean just because your guy didn't win that the sky is gonna fall right it's a pendulum I, and that's my approach well and let's be honest government isn't just one person this right. isn't a dictatorship we don't live in that kind of country right like it's <laughs> Yeah, hopefully not. We don't. It may seem like it sometimes, but we don't. 
um, the, you know, it takes a lot of people to change things, mm -hmm. right? It takes committees, it takes the House, it takes the Senate, it takes the president. I mean, there's all sorts of signatures and votes and agreement and things that have to happen in order to make it. So it's very easy to go, oh, your guy did this. But like, did he really? Because I'm pretty sure there was a whole bunch of other politicians right behind yeah. him. So, but the market's going up and hey, I like it when it's going up because I'm invested in the market and I like to make returns. So okay. yay, stock market. <laughs> yay, capitalism <laughs> for the meantime. Anyways, um, if you want to know more about the stock market or what you're doing with your investments, we'd love to have you call our office 541-375-0898. That's my shameless plug right now, but I guarantee I'll probably do it a couple more times. But right now, let's talk to RJ a little bit. So um, I was super happy when Heather said she reached out to you and you agreed to come on the radio show because a lot of people are super intimidated about being on the radio. Is it intimidating? I mean, you kind of have to prepare yourself. Okay. I mean, the the nice thing is you don't have to think about the fact that you're talking to thousands of people. Uh, <laughs> I always think that there's like five people listening, right. which I realize is not true. And then the funny part is you would assume like, oh, it's my family. No, right, no, right. It's not usually who it is either. Even though like they're like, oh, I caught your show today. And I'm like, really? Finally, I'm on the air all the time. You don't listen. You're not proud. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's It can be a little intimidating, but it's not that bad. And I think people envision this massive fishbowl of a studio, right, where right. everybody's staring at you. What they don't realize is it's like the size of a master walk-in closet. Right, right. <laughs> don't even know how to tell you how big. Maybe the size of your office at work. I don't know, but it's not very it's big. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of equipment, right? right? So it's like, okay, I'm in this little room in the dark with somebody else talking. That's all I got to do. But All right, so North 40, fairly new business to town. I mean, you've been open for a little while. Right. When did you open? Well, officially uh, November of 2017. So okay, so you had a couple years before COVID hit. It's not like you opened right, right before right. COVID. Yeah, we, we've been we've been around enough that you know we saw really good times our first year, and and uh, um, so it's it's definitely a change now. Um, we know what it, it was like before COVID, so I think um, that's a double-edged sword. And in some ways, it's good to to see the opportunity and, and potential. Um, prior to this but then you're also yearning for things to come back to normal if and when i that word i feel like is now become a dirty word like normal like right. is that are we ever going to get back to normal what does normal mean anymore right um so although i've i've heard during times of stress alcohol drinking goes up yeah it's it's one of those recession proof concepts i mean there's a few of them out there but alcohol's definitely <laughs> <laughs> recession proof um so what if uh what are some i know obviously covid's been around since uh march you know a little over a year now march this time last year and, mm -hmm. and by the way again i've said on the radio i thought it would have been over by last august i thought eh, everybody's gonna get sick and then you know it'll flatten out a little bit and we'll figure it out and we'll move on right i did not expect this pandemic to still be here and, and it's still got legs yeah and still going strong like i mean this it's it this hasn't seemed to let up at all like well, it's there's areas like india apparently which are pretty catastrophic which seem to weather the storm better initially so um yeah i, I, I don't i stopped. i've stopped betting on this horse race yeah, like i exactly i don't even i don't even know where to put my money anymore i'm like i quit i'm just gonna sit on the bench and watch and just see what happens it out and 
do you do the best you can with what you have so i know the initial launch of uh covid was kind of hard everybody kind of went oh crud what do i do you know like do i do i lock down do i what can i do like i i mean mm -hmm. i know as an entrepreneur you know the initial shock was really tough in right. the beginning, it was like, I mean, I feel like the world kind of stood still a little bit for a, for a while. And then it was like, okay, well, we can't stay closed forever because guess what? That generates no revenue. Right. And I'm pretty sure you still had beer brewing whether or not people were showing up. Yeah, you still got <laughs> kegs that, that, that uh, needed to be bottled yeah, and yeah. canned. Do you do bottles or cans or both? We have a, a crowler machine, which is basically to-go canning. Uh, but that's definitely something that I've been working toward with, you know, the way that alcohol is recession proof in a sense but how do you get it to your customers and as a brew pub that if you know for shut that's not really an opportunity so having having something like a canning line makes a big difference and and while beer sales aren't drastically down a lot of the beer sales that are out there are converted from you know taproom sales to cake sales retail sales essentially to go like to go kind of yeah. things yeah so it's it's a it's a definitely a challenge you know coming into COVID or, or having COVID be a part of our lives now is learning to adapt and, and adapting in a reasonable time frame so that you're able to um, you know fix things or, or get back on the horse so well, right like in that respect kind of first responders get the market share right because right? they're the first ones to react so everybody goes oh well then we know they're open so we're gonna go to them and Absolutely. and then you kind of beat out your competition a little bit in that respect right um, but uh, have you seen an influx just due to people wanting maybe to stay more local or um, what what kind of creative things have you come up with to do that you maybe never thought were going to be part of your business plan? Well, I, I mean, that, that's definitely a challenge is we're still coming up with them. And, um, you know, there's a lot of it's an opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of revisit things that aren't working. Uh, so, you know, right now I'm looking at kind of reorganizing the kitchen and maybe doing some additional build out so that when things do pick up, uh, we have some opportunity to, to change the way we operate and, and streamline things a little bit. And so having the downturn is an opportunity if you look at it that way. And, and maybe not just in what you're selling, but also, um, you know, how you're, how you're approaching that. So it's, something that's kind of constantly moving as far as what what changes we're making and those like I said I'm working on a canning line and whether that happens in a reasonable time frame is, is yet to be seen <laughs> but uh, it's well and by the way doing. you guys there's like people make it sound like it's so easy like why don't you just go do this and you're like oh thanks so you don't you're not realizing that it's not two steps it's a thousand steps right. to get to that process right, right. like it's something that um, I feel like as a consumer, like we're blissfully unaware, yeah. right? Like people come in and, and, and I've seen it happen. I've owned my own business. I've helped my mom owns her own business here locally in Roseburg as well. And, um, and I've seen it happen where people are like, Oh, just, just wave a wand, just go do this thing. And you're like, great. So do you have $20,000 and about 80 man hours to go make that one thing happen? Cause or more sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and candy lines, you know, like 40,000 is kind of the baseline price. Yeah, you're like, I can get a new truck or a canning line. Okay, let's go get a canning right. line. <laughs> and, and you know, there's there's a whole bunch of bureaucracy wrapped up in that. So to, to sell the cans on retail store space, you have to have a label that's been approved by the TTB, you know? Right. So uh, there's a whole process behind that. We had a really great design and then it turned out it was kind of already being used. Oh which no! Which was a total mistake. The, the, the designer didn't even realize it was so similar and we found it like, oh man, 
that kind of reset the button a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot involved to get from no canning line to being on store shelves. So are you, you mentioned retail, are you in stores? We're, no, right now we have cake sales. Okay. Docs, you know, so we, we basically. So if people of, wanted to buy a cake for a party or something, they could. They could. And that's, you know, that's not the majority of the sales. Usually it's through or, distribution. Okay. Bars and so okay. Oh, got it. Yeah. But again, if they're closed right. and that kind of puts the little hiccup and stuff. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, although it's, so I thought I saw a restaurant the other day that had like to go orders, like where you could take alcohol to go. Are restaurants doing that? Yeah. In fact, they've, OLCC didn't loosen up a lot of the regulations um, to the point where you can actually get canned drinks. Um, we don't have a full bar, so it's not <laughs> something we do, but there's certainly places in town that yeah, you can- Margarita to go with your tacos. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, so it's, I, I think that it's- there's I a, guess a beer to go with your pretzels. <laughs> yeah. And there's a benefit there. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll stay that way as, as things return uh, to some extent. But it's nice to have the opportunity, and I think it shows that people can be responsible with those those things. That's a good point, right? It's the the responsibility part. We're creating fascinating data right now, right? Right. I mean, that's the hard part. Like, I mean, you talk about like accumulating data in real time. So, you know, we just mentioned the fact that the OLCC and uh, has allowed, in essence, open container. Right. Because it's like, well, it's, I mean, it's sealed, like right, usually right. It has to be taped or something. But I mean, it's it's sealed in the fact that like you can't just drink right out of it in your car. But they're saying, hey, you know, we're going to be more flexible on to go items because we understand that this is businesses and we want them to continue to have successful business. And, right. you know, if people went to your establishment and had dinner and a, and a beer or two, then they want you to be able to do that to go. Right. Right. And so they're going, hey, we're going to be flexible on that. We're going to work with you on that. Um, but like you said, it, it's rewriting the data, right? Because the data has been like, oh, if we allow this to happen, then we're going to have all these drunk drivers. Right. And now we're allowing it to happen. And who knows? But I'm I'm highly suspicious that the drunk driving hasn't increased. Well, there's right? less driving. Well, there's less driving anyway, right? <laughs> but yeah, but absolutely. Hopefully absolutely. the drunk driving hasn't increased. And actually it may have decreased because if people are taking it to go and they're consuming it at home, right. then they're not drinking it at an establishment and driving they're yeah. already home and there's, so, a, there's a lot more consumption at home because the opportunity to, to go out isn't isn't there as much as it was right so, so if the data shows something positive this could be something that continues to go on even once our economy opens all back up right and i think a great example of that is i think a lot of businesses have learned that their workers don't have to be on site and so uh, it opens up some flexibility to allow people to work from home more and i think that's a good thing if if it works for you know for the business and the individuals so let's talk about that a little bit more, but first we're going to take a break. So stick around. When we come back, we're going to still be talking about entrepreneurism. Um, it's with RJ from North 40. So you're listening to the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is Katie Shook, and in studio with me today is... Uh, RJ Mills. RJ from North 40. So if you're here in Roseburg and you haven't checked it out yet, North 40 is downtown. Uh, I would say fairly new establishment. It's been around for a few years, but, you know, 
Right. Until you've reached like 10 years or something, you're still brand new, right? right, right. Isn't there like, there's like a weird decade rule in town or something? Like you're still the new guy until you've we'll been here the, for we'll at least a tag. decade. <laughs> I was joking around about decades earlier. Man, the older you get, the more you start going up. I was alive in that one and that one. and uh, Okay, yeah, we're, we're crossing that threshold. So, uh, but talking today about North 40 being uh, entrepreneurs, we're talking about, you know, how you've dealt with COVID a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what caused you to want to open a brewery in the first place? Oh man, um, so I actually I went to school for chemistry, and while in school at Oregon State, I had a, a friend that was um, into brewing, and he this is kind of a new concept at, at the time. Uh, I don't think it was a, a common thing, and so he introduced me to that, and I loved it. And brewing beer was such a fun, you know, it's it's taking that initiative and doing something yourself that you didn't really think you could do. So this um, covers actually a little bit of everything right now when you're mentioning. So first of all, college, brewing beer, okay, totally fits. Like right. the persona, let's be honest. Like, oh, yeah, I brew beer in my dorm room. <laughs> Not really, but you know what I mean. So Basically. totally fits it. Chemistry, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of chemistry that goes into beer brewing, winemaking, things like that. Absolutely. Any of those industries, right? Like, I mean, there's definitely a formula that you have. You can't just, like, randomly throw it. Like, or it's not going to turn out good. Right. And it's, it's, well, it's like math and in you know, finance, you can utilize it as much as you see fit. And so I, you know, maybe overdo the chemistry aspect a little bit, but it's an outlet. And I I feel like uh, um, it kind of drives the engine, you know, knowing how these things work and, and, um, you know, utilizing it. What what my background is, is is great. And I appreciate that. Well, Um, and really understanding, I mean, having a chemistry background, you know, makes you understand a little bit more how things kind of work together on a molecular level or why they work together, right? right? I mean, so those things I feel like are really important. And I know with any great brewery or winery or distillery, anything like that, it also takes a craftsman, right? Because you have to have a little bit of that artistic eye. Like you have to be able, or maybe I should say artistic palette, but you you have to be able to go, okay, this is the formula. Now, I got the formula down, but how am I? What what kind of tweaks am I going to add to it to make it my own? What what's going to make me stand out from the rest of the pack? Right, and that's and honestly, that's a lot of the fun of understanding it and utilizing what your experience is. Is that you can feel comfortable tweaking things consistently and and constantly. I do tweak a lot, and and maybe to some people's chagrin. Um, <laughs> but I would I, say the hardest part is when you tweak something and you get something really good, and then you're like. How did I do like reproducing it? Right. Right. Well, that's like, very important in, in well, beer brewing. But yeah. But no, but like sometimes you're like, oh, I got this really great batch of hops or I got this really weird one off thing. And maybe it was like due to the growing season or it was, you know, right. like there's things that have happened like um, and again, I so I have a little bit of a background in the wine industry. Um, and I feel like those two kind of go hand in hand a little bit as far as absolutely culture and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to establish in the um, in the Roseburg and in the Umpqua Valley. But. I remember with winemaking, there was this year that was like super smoky, right? There was like tons of forest fires and stuff. And um, many, many years ago, not that we don't have forest fires like every August. I know we do. But um, it was one that was like late in the season right before picking, right? So it was in September. And because of all the smoke in the air, the red grapes ended up absorbing a lot of that smoke. And so the wine that year had a very different smokiness that was not unique to like the age of the barrel right right and people would be like oh my gosh i love this wine it's like we can't reproduce it yeah it was like something it was something weird in the atmosphere 
You know, it's like I can't just throw smoke on the grapes and then make it happen again. I mean, it was right. like the That's... forest fires burning and it was kind of crazy. And um, although I will say it's much better with beer because beer, the turnaround with beer is way faster than wine. <laughs> it definitely something that draws me to beer over wine is that, yeah, the, the turnaround time is a big impact. You, 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 how many iterations can you do of a beer process in a, in a single year versus wine? Um, yeah, I, I don't envy the one. winemakers. Yeah, that's, <laughs> one. You that's, get one shot, one shot, one batch, and all the money riding on it. If you right. screw it up, it's thousands of dollars. So Right. And, and you are, I think, probably beholden to those changes year to year more so than beer. I mean, there's a hop, there's variations in the hop plants that you purchase and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, a lot of, you know, especially the malt ingredients, a lot of the science has been done for you. And so we don't have to tweak those things. Um nearly as much and so it's kind of nice it's and as you were mentioning earlier as far as like the process um if you just document everything then the process kind of takes care of itself uh which by the way when you're in the middle of that creative genius it's really hard sometimes to stop and be like oh let me write that down it's like <laughs> you're you know what i mean like you're so focused on kind of what you're doing and living in the moment that, absolutely that you're like wait what did i how much did i put right there and you're, then you go back and you're like trying to guess as you're writing on your notes. Wait, I thought I put this much in here. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have pocket sheets of paper that I write on. And oh, yeah, I'll do it in my pocket. And I get like Cardboard five or boxes. Six of, yeah, anything then, handy with a drawing instrument and anything that you can doodle on, right? And then you compile it at the end and hope that it's accurate. You know, that's, that's, there's, there's some truth there. What is the, um, and this is always a question that people ask, and it's always really hard to answer. Do you have a batch of beer or something that you were like, oh, man, that was like an awesome batch of beer or um, something that was like significant to you in your brewing history? Yeah, I think there's one that stands out that I've always kind of like a unicorn. That like, how do I make that again? Because it was, you know, happy accident here or there. OK, um, which one was that? It was a. Uh, and when was it? Oh, this was early on. This was kind of when I first got into brewing. I, I dabbled in college and then took a little bit of a break and then I just did it for my hobby for about 10 years before we opened the brewery. Um, now I've we lost. call that baking to perfection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me figure out how many ways not to make it before I put a lot of money into how to make it. Okay. And, and definitely part of the process was learning what you don't know. Um, but yeah, as far as that, that batch, um, I can't even recall very much of it anymore. But was it something, what, 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 what was it? That wasn't even English by the way. What was it that was unique to you? Like, why was it a defining moment? I think it just hit a lot of the marks um, that I wanted at the time. And, you know, that's something important as your palate changes. I don't necessarily like the same type of beer that I was making in college anymore. Um, in fact, what I make nowadays is kind of more true to what I think the general market wants versus huh? what my palate is. And definitely as an entrepreneur, you have to be you know, you, you have to appreciate that you're not making it for yourself. You're making it for. Well, there that is a very huge distinction, by the way. And that is a choice you make as an entrepreneur, because right. there's entrepreneurs out there that will just say, I'm going to make it for me and you're just going to like what I have. Right. Right. It's mine. And if I, I mean, I'm going to make what I want to drink, period. And you're just going to like it or you're not going to like it. And it doesn't matter. And there's other people that are like, no, I actually want to mass produce it and make money. And so I will give the market what they want, even if it may not be my personal favorite right so they are two completely different thoughts like camps you know on which one you do so it's very interesting that you said that like i make more of what the market wants than maybe more of what you want right and i think that you know certainly you know maybe fashion there's there's things where 
Oh, there's things that's, that are trendy. Like IPAs were super trendy, and now I feel like we're kind of moving away a little bit from IPAs and getting more into like the different beers. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. No, it's, I think you're you're right. There's there's especially in the Northwest, like you IPAs are a substantial part. If you don't make a good IPA, people are going to ignore you. <laughs> really? Um, but uh, <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I think that's strong words from R.J. Mills. I, I, and I think that the the beer drinkers really appreciate IPAs for the most part, craft beer drinkers. So. Um, and it's a fun style. It's a style that you have a lot of artistic license. There's so many variants that you can adjust to right. and still be in that ballpark. Um, and I think that that's also where you get to, you know, show your craftsmanship, how you make your IPA and what your flagship IPA is. I think those are a lot of things that modern beer, you know, makers, microbreweries, and and whatnot see as uh, an important identity. And so. Um, but at the same time, my favorite beer that we make is the Kolsch. It's it's a ah oh, man after my own heart. There's my German history right yeah. there. The Kolsch. Um, I you know I started off really liking light beers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I feel like it's the same way kind of usually with wine drinkers. Like they start off with like light sweet white wines, and then as you you know develop your palate and try more wines, and it gets into dry, and then you kind of get into light reds, and then dark reds, and you know, all of a sudden you have this whole plethora of stuff that's kind of open to you. Right. Um, I've really found that a lot of our local breweries do great, like, red beers and brown beers. Things that are not so bitter and hoppy, a little bit smoother. and Yeah, but, oh, they're so smooth and flavorful. Right, and I think that's something that this community really likes. I think that there's a lot of malt drinkers to, com- you know, complement the, the hop heads that are out there. And so it, it's a nice opportunity that we get to make. A, a variety. little bit of both. Yeah, exactly. So I try and keep a good 50-50 mix of, of things available for people that, you know, it would depend on which camp you're in. And then there's people that just want a light, crisp, easy drinking beer. And I'm kind of in that camp most of the time. <laughs> depends on what you're doing. Right. Although, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depends on what you're doing, what time of day it is. Um, have you found that there's any change even in the seasons? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in summer, people want light crisp beers in winter you know there's a lot more stout drinkers and yeah exactly so oh my husband's like a porter like he wants it like thick and chewy like the darker the better i mean he wants it like mud right like you can put your pencil in it (laughs) and and stay there definitely something to be said for that but i find it a lot harder to drink those in the summer when it's hot outside (laughs) i just it's not my it you know there you go right two different people enjoying two different things and that's where enjoying an establishment like north 40 is really nice is because you get you can each have what you want Right. Right. And celebrate together and still have that fellowship and companionship, you know, and be around the people you love and share a beer and have a good time and create a memory. And we're good to go. All right. We're talking entrepreneurism today on the True Wealth Radio Show. I have RJ Mills here in studio with me. Um, But we're going to take a really quick break and we're going to join us right back. Uh, So stick around. This is the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is the best Tuesday you've had all week. Uh, in studio with me is RJ, 
And this is Katie Shook, your hostess with the mostest. By the way, if you're just tuning in, don't forget to catch the podcast. It'll be on our website, Little John FS, tomorrow. Um, Heather does that wonderfully every week. I am so happy that I have her as part of our team because there's jobs that we distribute and it's good. <laughs> but speaking of teams, right? So it's hard to be an entrepreneur of one. Tell us about your team at North Forty. Oh, um, so we've, we've got actually uh, my partner and I uh, started this and our siblings both work there. Um, it's not how, as wait. How is that working with your siblings? And you see, okay, wait, clarify a little bit more, right? Because pe some people don't know who you are. So brothers, sisters, older, younger. Oh, it's fair enough. Uh, so it's, <laughs> we're going to get into some psychology here. <laughs> it's my s older sister and his younger brother uh, that work with us. And they actually are really good help. And I think that's an important thing is that they're vested in it as well in the sense that, you know, it, the success of the business is important to them. And I think that's a key element in hiring people is finding people that you can. Well, um, trust. Yeah, it, trust and, and that they're motivated by the success of the business is, you know, not necessarily to this, never to the same extent as the owners. Um, but having people that uh, want success on your team is important. So it truly is a family business. It's just a couple families. Right. 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 And it's in. I've um, I've worked with my mom for a very very long time. In fact, probably since my teen years when I started as her assistant and many things. But we've been business partners in in a variety of adventures. And I remember once we were interviewed by a newspaper and they said, you know, do you guys ever argue or do you fight? And I was like, not really. And they're like, how is that possible? And I said, well, we each have our roles, right. right? Like I don't step on her turf and she doesn't step on mine. And we also play to each other's strengths, right? right? Because you know, like I, I have a younger brother who would like to think he's my older brother, but <laughs> he's my bigger brother because he's taller than me. But um, he, we do different things. We think differently. We process information differently. And I think as a sibling, when you honor who that person is, right, and let them contribute to the company, right? It's not like, mm -hmm. well, this is my company, so I'm going to do it my way and you just can do what I'm going to do. It's, right. You know, it's like you really appreciate. And we're adults now, right? Like, right. It shouldn't be the way it was in grade school, <laughs> even though sometimes with family, we digress a little bit every sure. once in a while. But um, but having your sister and having his younger brother work there, that's awesome because it does truly make it, it feels like a family business when it's ran that way, right? Because it right. is, it's families pulling together um, to run something that's special. Sure. And when you're talking about your sister about being, and, and his brother about being invested in the company, we call those intrapreneurs. Right. That's fair. So it's yeah. the person who treats the business as their own and wants the company to grow. Right. Is looking right. for ways to help benefit the company by bringing ideas, by, you know, even sometimes just feedback like, hey, you know, if they're the boots on the ground, because right. I think I've seen your sister. Doesn't she serve like yes. in the. OK, yes. so I've met her. Yeah. OK. So and sometimes when you're busy running the business, right, you're not seeing the customers all the time, then you don't necessarily get the feedback. Right. Like if they're sitting there and saying, hey, you know, like we sold a ton of this kind, but not this kind. Maybe we should make more of this. That's valuable. Absolutely. And that's something that I lean on all the time. You know, what what are you seeing here? What are you seeing there? And 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 it's very important to have, you know, perspectives that aren't just your own so that you understand, you know, a lot more than you could if you're relying on just your empirical data. So um, right. it's really helpful. And, and I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> and you should like the companies that run 
as a team, right? It's not mm. about the ego anymore. It's not about like, oh, well, it's my company or I'm the brewmaster right, or whatever. Right. It's, you know, it's about playing, again, we've said playing to each other's strengths, right? Like, mm. and, and doing what you love. Right. Like, I always joke around, I'm a box checker. Like, I <laughs> like to make lists. I like to check off things. Like, by the way, the digital lists on my phone do not mean do me justice. Like, <laughs> I want a paper list. I want to draw a line through things. Right. Right. Like, I will choose paper over electronics any day because there's a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day when I can look at my list and be like, I got those five things done. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And yet when it's electronic, I'm like, just clicking that little checkbox, like, doesn't do it for me. Oh, I'm totally the same way. I, I appreciate that very much because I, I do have digital checklists and Sometimes I just don't even check them off. It's easier just to kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, I did that. But if I have a paper list, then I can, you know, at the end of the day, check them all. I'll hopefully check most of them off. But at some point, you can discard it and say, I've done everything there. Okay, and now if you have something that you did that's not on your list, do you add it to your list so you can check it off? Sometimes. I totally <laughs> do. <laughs> I totally do. That's why I'm laughing about it. But people like us that are check that, you know, are not necessarily visionaries. Right. And I mean, and sometimes that's hard. Like, right. um, you know, I, I joke around about this term. Um, David is a great visionary and and my mom's a great visionary, which I think is why I work so well with both of them. I've been groomed since early on to work with visionaries. But mm -hmm. um, visionaries are people that have big ideas. Right. And maybe you are. Maybe you are the visionary of the company. Right. But like the visionary of the company is someone who has big ideas. It's like I you know, I see this thing in the far off place like I want this goal and it's lofty and I want to get to that hill and I want to go there, you know, and then it takes a team around you to help that vision come true. And you can help implement it and help write out the steps. But, you know, it's like nobody gets there on their own. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to know what you're capable of and play to your own strengths in that sense. But also, uh, you know, and sometimes you have to wear hats that you're not comfortable with and learn how to wear that hat. Um, and it's easier if you can find someone that's more comfortable and pass that along. <laughs> someone who wants to wear that hat. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's definitely people that want to wear a lot of hats that I don't understand. I don't <laughs> like what? A, well, I don't want to be a CPA, and I couldn't imagine enjoying it, but there's people out there that feel very comfortable doing that, and so um, it's nice to, to know that there's people that are good at that task that you don't have to learn it yourself. So um, I oddly love paperwork. Like, it's a weird thing. And again, sense of accomplishment, right? Because I can print it. I can look at it. I can fill it out. I right. know I did a good job, right? And um, I realize there's people that would just, you know, rather do anything other than paperwork, <laughs> right? They just look at me like, you have at it. It's your baby. Go for it. Right, right. But it's, but again, for someone who doesn't like paperwork, I'm a, I'm a great partner because <laughs> I'm the one that'll do it, right? Like, you go, you go do the sales pitch. I'll do the, I'll do the paperwork and we're good to go. And I don't step on your toes and you don't step on mine and everybody right. has their roles. And I think that having the roles is something that's super important. Absolutely. No, so, I think I think understanding those roles, first of all, figuring out which roles are necessary and which roles are complementary that you don't necessarily need is a good starting point um, to, to any task, but certainly as an entrepreneur. Uh, and then identifying who does those tasks well is an uh, important step forward. So. so we did this interesting thing. By the way, I'm totally giving credit to David on this one. So we, at our last staff retreat, we sat around and wrote the top five things that we love about our job, like love to do. Like, mm -hmm. so what things are in your wheelhouse? If you can do them all day, what are those things? And then we wrote the top five things that we hate to do about our job, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to do them. 
Right. But it's like, you know, what things bring us joy and what things drag the energy out of us, right? It's like, oh, if I have to do that today. It's just, you know, it makes your day a little worse. <laughs> but what was fascinating is there were a couple tasks that came up, like where a coworker's like, oh, I hate doing that. And I'm like, I actually love doing that. And we swapped tasks. Right. And without that challenge, we never would have known that. Right. And so if you're an entrepreneur out there, if you have a business, small business, and you're listening to this, it's, it's good to know that even if you're starting your own business and you are a company of one, right? Because if you plan to grow, you need to figure out where the holes are and how to plug them. Right. So write down the things that bring you joy. And it doesn't matter if they're simple little tasks or big tasks. And then write down the things that you just don't like to do, right? If you do not like balancing your books, then write that down on the list <laughs> and then find somebody who loves QuickBooks, right? Right? Who thinks that way. And they're like, hey, that's easy for me, no problem. And sometimes it's technology related. Sometimes it's people related, right? Like if you are the person that hates talking to people, you should not be the salesman for your company. <laughs> like, that's... let's be honest about that, right? Like it's Absolutely. just, it's not in your forte. But if you're the person at parties who's the last one standing there because you can't shut up, that's the salesperson you want <laughs> pitching your product because they will talk about your product all day long until the cows come home. Right, right. So figure out what your strengths are, right? And it's not about whether you're an introvert or an extrovert and stuff because there's introverts that love to be around people. Sure. And there's extroverts that get worn out being around people at the end of the day. But like, find what your strengths are and then really play to those. And as your company continues to grow, find the team members that play to your weaknesses. And I think sometimes that's a hard thing, right? We don't want to ever think there's anything wrong with us. <laughs> right, and I, I think you raise a point. You have to be honest with yourself. Right. Be honest about what you're good at and what you're capable of and, and what you don't want to do. You might think you want to do it, but... But you know, do you really? Yeah, soul search a little bit. I think that's important. But think about how much more efficient and better sometimes your company could run or how much more productive it could be mm -hmm. if you were in your sweet spot. Oh, absolutely. All right, we're going to talk about that in just a minute when we come back, but first we're going to take a obscene profit break. So you're listening to Katie Ann. RJ. From North 40, and you're listening to the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. We are in our home stretch. We've been talking entrepreneurism today uh, with one of our local entrepreneurs, RJ Mills, here from North 40. Um, I know I said his name. I pointed at him, but then I said his name. I totally robbed his thunder. Um, I think it's important, though, because and people are going, why are you talking about entrepreneurs? It's still how money flows through your life, right? It's mm -hmm. still investing. Right now we're talking more about investing in yourself, investing in your business. But when you do those things, then you in turn have money to invest elsewhere, whether it's in the community, you have money to actually do investments with, mm -hmm. right? And growth. And so, you know, it, but it starts with you. Like you have to, you have to make sure that your house is in order. Right right before you can do more and and let's be honest like if your business is successful that means you're going to hire more people right and then the employees benefit because guess what it provides jobs to douglas county 
you know, and provides jobs other ways, distribution, different things like that, right? So you're helping to employ other people in this network just by doing what you're doing. Right. Um, and the more successful you become, that leads to, you know, employer work, pl- like retirement plans and other things as the company continues to grow, right? So I know that the True Wealth Radio Show is, is an investment show. We do talk about investments quite often. But sometimes it starts with investing in ourselves because if we do the right things, then we get rewarded. Sure. And I think. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it's definitely been a reward to employ people and to, you know, get to know people that that have skill sets and and from different areas of life that, you know, you're not necessarily used to or or familiar with. And so um, but there's a reward to knowing that you're helping people put food on their their plate and and um, and then maybe yeah give them opportunity to invest in, in their retirement as well so um, I well found... and it's investing back in the community right. right I mean we're shopping local we're supporting local I mean you hear that a lot up here in Oregon like buy local and I think a lot of communities are really pushing that like buy local so. support local so speaking of local where are you located uh, we're downtown Roseburg uh, on Jackson Street it's pretty close to the courthouse uh, address is 435 Southeast Jackson. There you go. If you guys know where Dino's is, which has been around forever, <laughs> he's not too far from Dino's, so he's right down the street. Just across the street. Right. And I hope you get to open up this summer again into full glory because you had music and you had all sorts of fun stuff before COVID, and it would be nice to have all that back. And are, yeah. I mean, are you getting a chance to kind of do some of that stuff yet or not really? It's really hard. You know, we've, we've got issues, capacity issues and whatnot, and um, you're right. Before COVID, we, I mean, the music scene kind of went through us to some extent and we were really active and it was great to be part of that. Um, and we have so many musicians contacting us now saying, hey, are you guys back open? Can I play a show? What's what's the yeah, status? Because they're hungry, too. They haven't worked in a year. Right. right? Like they're everybody's going, hey, support us. We'll support you. Let's figure this out. And, and we're trying to find ways, you know, what what good way can we utilize, you know, what they want to do in, in our location and it's hard because there's not a lot of opportunity. Um, and so it's it's definitely a struggle still. And hopefully with a couple more steps, we'll be back into a groove where some of those things make sense again. Um, you know, we, we don't want musicians to come down here and play for free. That doesn't really seem fair. No. Um, but at the same time, it, it's, it, it would be nice to, for the community to have live Just music. Just music again. I know. This is such a musical community. Right. I mean, music on the half shell. We haven't had it now in a couple years. Yeah. I heard they're not doing it this summer either. And the, the, the scariest part to me is when things don't happen for long enough, then they just don't happen again. Absolutely. Right. Like, I mean, putting things on pause for a year, it's like, OK, it's just for a year. But, you know, when it becomes two years or three years, then I feel like sometimes it loses its momentum. Right. And then it's like so much more momentum to get it started again. And then people are like, well, do we really care enough to get it going again? And that and that's hard. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, Half Shell's been around forever. I feel so. like we've yeah, we're, we're kind of training ourselves away from those things at this point. And I think when and initially, with, you know, with COVID, I'm trying not to dwell on too much, but initially, we had you know a lot of people that were patronizing because it was part of their lifestyle before Mm -hmm. Um, but i think everybody's kind of been trained off of that and so uh, it'll be interesting to see you know i I think there's still people yearning for those opportunities but then there's a lot of relearning uh, to to how we do things normally 
you know, if we if and when we get back to that point. So, well, I would say don't forget to support local. You know, if you have a chance, go pick up a beer to go at North 40. Please. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, please help out. Help a brother out. Right. <laughs> but um, but, you know, support your support your local breweries, support your local wineries because they need it, too. Right. And just because of the the. America shut down a little bit and it's not shut down. I mean, it's starting to open back up. People are starting to gather back together. People are getting vaccinated. Everything's going on. So we're moving forward. But hey, uh, um, just to wrap up this show a little bit, I appreciate you guys listening today. I know we're talking about the entrepreneurism. If you missed it, check out the podcast. It'll be on our website tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com. If you have investment questions or want to invest in yourself, and talk about that, you can give us a call, Little John Financial, 541-375-0898. You can always look us up on social media. Are you on social media as well? We are. Facebook, Instagram, all that. <laughs> so proud of you. I haven't I haven't jumped to Instagram yet. I got an Insta. I know everybody does it. I just, it's, it's time. It's a learning curve, right? Yeah. It's a little easier and more straightforward, but at the same time, it's a new thing. So, so go follow North 40. Is it North 40? What's your Insta handle? Uh, North 40. Is it? Yeah. You actually got it? Uh, oof, now, I'm, now I'm questioning that. It might be just North 40 beer. Ah, see. <laughs> hashtag. Yeah, hashtag. I don't know what my Insta handle is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but, uh, you know, check them out. Support local. It's super important. Um, I greatly appreciate you being on the show today and coming in and talking about entrepreneurism. Absolutely. I know that it's it's hard when we prep for a show because we kind of throw out a bunch of ideas and then we get to talking and all of a sudden it's like and squirrel and we just go like in a different direction um but realize that you know he's come a long way from that little uh chemistry lab in college okay right brewing in brewing in his dorm room i don't know very different no maybe apartment was it really in your dorm room was it an apartment Uh, no it was a house Four guys in the house. It was great, though. He wasn't getting busted by his RA going, hey, no. you're not supposed to be brewing beer <laughs> no. in your dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> How fun, though. But, like, but who knew, right? Like, who knew back then something that was a hobby would become a career for you? I, and, and it was something that definitely drove my, you know, for a long time, that's what I wanted. I just didn't have a way to get there. And so it was nice to finally see that fulfilled. So... There you go. All right. Well, I hear the music. Thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.